listening to episode 321 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we conclude our revisit of Dark's Season 1. So, now that we're at the end, how are you feeling about how it went? You know, I mean, still, like, a great show. Like, still, like, super compelling, though. Like, as I told you, I was just... The other night when I went to try watch episode 10, I was just so tired, but I figured I'd push through and end up falling asleep before the end of it. So I had to go back and watch the ending again. But, you know, like there is so much, you know, after watching season two, like there's just so much more that we can pick up on what's going on here in season one. But still a ton of unanswered stuff, like stuff that's still that we wondered about back in season one still have no clue about. Yeah. I'm a little torn on it in that. I guess I feel like I should be finding more than I'm finding. And that as I'm doing my notes, I feel as if I'm just reiterating the notes we talked about the first time around. And, you know, maybe some things seem a little more important at this point, but, uh, you know, that's why we talk about it. Stuff I missed, hopefully you right. did. Well, yeah, I, I think, like you said, I mean, like, there, while there is some stuff, I think, like, it was really the the unanswered stuff, like the stuff that we're still wondering about now, you know, so which kind of goes in line with what you said, you know, like, and I, I, right, I absolutely felt like that. There were times I was sitting there for a long time because I, w- I wasn't taking notes on everything that was happening. I was just taking notes on the things that I thought were significant based on what we knew from watching season two. There were pretty long stretches where I didn't take any notes at all. All right, well, listen, let me throw out some news such as it is. Uh, I think at this point, and we're usually not like this with the podcast, but I think if you look up procrastinators in your dictionary, our pictures will appear mm-hmm. because we've been procrastinating what it is we're going to do next. And uh, I think we're kind of cheating here because what we've decided we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the first episode of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell and then make a decision so we're not committing to the whole season at no, this point. Just just uh, episode but, one, and basically, I mean, it's it's the show I've I've because I've read the book, so I've I've wanted to kind of check the show. It's been in my queue for for uh, Netflix forever, so it is something I've been interested in. I haven't gotten around to actually watching it, so I think it'll be worth the watch. It'll be cool, but it also has that you know secondary use, as you said, of giving us another week to make a decision here. Right. And it's not as if we haven't done a lot of pilots in a row. We had that one stretch, I believe we did maybe five or six in a row because we couldn't decide. And then I don't remember what we yeah. decided. <laughs> After all, did we do Dollhouse? I don't, know, or I don't even remember yeah. now what the what the choices were. But uh, uh, and we're also considering doing a couple movies, one that we've mentioned called Time Trap. Uh, another time travel movie that dropped on Netflix this past week called In the Shadow of the Moon looks like it might be pretty good. So we will keep you posted on that. But for now, Jonathan Strange, Mr. Norell will be next week. Sounds good. All right. Now, in the what we're watching, I am now midway through season seven of Mad Men, which you know means I've got about five or six episodes to go and... No more Don Draper, and uh, what a great show. And I'm sure uh, you're probably thinking, why did it take me so long? But And and even here, in uh, 
Mad Men, a, a show about Madison Avenue advertising executives. My goodness, how many uh, genre actors turn up? Uh, end of season six. I'm like, it's freaking Brian Markinson. Yeah. He's everywhere. Yeah. There, there's I a ton of people in Mad Men who I, every time we watch the show, I'm like, who is that? I'm like, oh, yeah, they're in Mad Men. Loads. So, right. Now, uh, season four of Van Helsing just started last week, and that's a show that I cover in writing for Den of Geek, but it's a show that I would love and would watch even if I wasn't reviewing it. And I'm still pretty surprised you don't watch that show. You know, it's it's kind of up your wheelhouse with great uh, Grateful Dead, Walking Dead, kind of a, a feel to it, but with vampires. But that said, uh, uh, I know you don't have time. Yeah. Uh, and then a show, a show that I mentioned to you before we started recording that's on Amazon called Undone. And that's also a show that Wayne and I just started talking about tonight that, uh, you know, we'll... we'll you know, hold that in reserve. Maybe that's a show. It's animated, but not in the traditional sense. They're short episodes. It's really good. So, yeah, I think it's like the the technique Richard uh, Linklater used with uh, Waking Life, if you remember that movie from it is exactly. uh, quite a while yep. ago. So, yeah. Yep. So, all right, what are you watching? Well, I watched the very last episode of Killjoys, and I thought it was... Okay, I'm not going to do any spoilers talking about it, but it's, I thought it was a pretty decent ending. And I, I think they also left it open like if ever, you know, they want to do like a movie or something. You know, just always to kind of like give the fans false hope maybe. But they didn't close it off, close it off. You know, I thought it was a pretty good ending uh, for a show. Um, I thought it was very appropriate. That, you know, it's not like they went all sentimental on it like oftentimes series enders do. They pretty much wrote up a show that was just like a lot of other Killjoy shows. It's, you know, funny, action, all kinds of stuff going on. So, yeah, I liked it. So that's- yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I, I thought the same thing. And, and what I really like about it, as you said, and I even said this in my review, I, I know they're not going to come back for another season down the road, but they could. Right. And it... it gives you enough closure that you feel really satisfied without it, you know, just being right. uh, patronizing to the, to the fans. They didn't kill wash. So yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so, so tonight the, uh, the other show I've been watching regular, which is preacher is also ending, ending uh, tonight. Actually, probably as we're speaking, maybe. So then maybe I will pick up Van Helsing, Dave, cause I'm going to be, kind of out out of out of shows from you know regular network television so well van helsing would be one that i would love to do on the podcast if you start watching it and are feeling it okay so, you know, i'll just i'll just throw that out there all right, it's, all right it's something that we really haven't done before that that type of a show so anyway yeah. all right anything else well the last thing is i told you before that um yeah, you know, I, I was really from talking to you about Almost Human. I'm not sorry, Almost Human. Better than us. You know, I, so I started watching that. I'm probably about like eight episodes in and everything, and I'm really liking that show. It's a uh, you know a, a lot like Humans. Maybe some parts of it I might even say you know almost you know very derivative from Humans, uh, but still a good show. 
characters that are likable um, and unlikable at the same time. Touches on a lot of you know themes of of modern life as you would expect a show that deals with artificial intelligence would, and uh, you know, so pretty good so far. How far did you get cool. into that? I- I'm only seen one episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I really liked it. Just haven't gotten back to it yet. So, and it's got really good uh, dubbing, like the the voice work is is really good i started watching it uh just in russian and then you know realized that it's a lot easier for my brain to just if if it wasn't distract you know like this kind of always my um my take on dubbing versus subtitles is if the dubbing is totally off and, and the voices are are really bad then no i'll go back to subtitles but if the voice actors do a good job and it's you know, they it's somewhat you know where the 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 actors' mouths aren't moving too much more or less than the words that they're saying. Then I'll stick with it. And so far, it's been really solid work with the the dubbing for um, you know better than us. Well, you know that's going to segue, I think, pretty nicely into our discussion of dark because I tried the German audio with English subtitles for dark, but it's just so. Dense. I, I I can't do it. I I need the double shot of English, you know, and and the dubbing's not terrible in dark. It's not great, but it's not terrible. I, I you know, no, I thought it was pretty good. Gotten in dark. used to it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't right. spectacular. I actually think it was a lot better and better than us. But I think it was it was solid in dark. But this time around, actually, I have been watching it in German with the English subtitles. Um, but yeah, it's the only reason I, I do that. It's you know, like the first time I started watching Dark, I tried to do it in German with English subtitles, and it was impossible. Like, in fact, I stopped watching the show because I just couldn't keep up with it. There was just so much that they were saying, and while I'm trying to process the last thing that I saw, they're already moving on, and I was just like, ah. And then someone said, "Dude, just they have English dubbing. Just watch it in English." And then I, so then. It, it turned it around for me. So basically I know what they're saying. So it's it kind of, it's easier for me and quicker for me to process it this time around. Uh, so I, I'm enjoying uh, hearing the, the original German actors uh, voices. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to talk about episodes 109 and 110. And one of the first things that strikes me in 109, and I'm sure it struck me in our first discussion, but why is Bern Doppler, so concerned about and i'm making air quotes his son because True. isn't the implication that it's not his son i mean greta verifies that to noah well, she Does doesn't Byrne not know? verify it per se she says it might not be his son okay um, and and that um it wasn't born out. and we did talk about this because we talked about we uh, we tried to you know we did the math right like okay so it's 1953. Helge is what, like 11, 12 years old, something like that. Do we do we get the actual number? I can't remember. I can't um, remember either. So you know that brings us back to at the probably you know at the earliest 1940. So yes, World War II, but no on any occupying forces inside Germany. So her being the victim of some kind of war crime. Uh, not likely. Um, okay. So, but were there rapists in Germany? 
before the war? Yes, I'm sure they just as there are everywhere else, not to make light of, of, of rape at all, but or or what or what else? I mean, it's just another mystery as far as like, well, okay, if Byrne isn't the dad, then who is? Why would you say he wasn't born out of love? I mean, that does maybe suggest she was raped, but doesn't necessarily mean it. She could have just had a fling that she didn't love the right. guy. She just went and had sex with some random dude, and nine months later, baby Hellgate pops out. So, um, but yeah, you're right. Um, you, you know, but burned is. I mean, I mean, it's so. I assume to his mind, he doesn't have any clue that Hellgate might not be his son. I think. To his mind, he's okay. totally Helge's father. So, you know, obviously that would explain, you know, why he's so adamant, you know. And, and we saw earlier how fond he is of, of Helge, right? Like the mother is just really nasty. And we find out even more, it's awful how she feels about her son. But Bernd isn't. Bernd is very kind to Helge and, and uh, you know, is very affectionate towards him. So we kind of get it. He's a dad. You know? Yeah. Okay. Now, speaking of relationships, the other thing, and and again, we've talked about it in the past. In fact, you mentioned the electricity between Agnes Nielsen and Doris Tideman when when they're making the bed and their their fingers just brush together. But is there another importance to this relationship that I'm forgetting? I don't really know that we've seen anything else. I mean, Agnes says she was married 15 years says her husband was a pastor but not a man of faith, which back then made us think that, oh, well, maybe Noah's right. her husband, but of right. course we learn that he's her brother. She says her husband's dead, but then it got me to thinking, well, who do we know that's dead and could be her husband? But this is dark hell. It could be anybody. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, yeah. Well, that, you know, yeah, that's a, you're, you're right. It could totally be anybody, right? And the whole thing between Agnes and Doris, you know, we see it develop a little bit, but I'm not sure how important it, it has been to this point. And, you know, maybe that's all there is. I, I don't know. It, it's almost as if that's all there is. Then it almost seems like it's a little bit titillating for the sake of being titillating, which, you know, not going to complain. That's okay. But. Right. Well, Peter, and, and now I can't find it, but Peter says something about his mom. Right. And we don't know who Peter's Peter's mother is, right? Because didn't right. we talk about yes. if Helga is his father, who the heck had sex with Helga? <laughs> um, so I don't. Yeah, all right. I just got. It, it, there was there was definitely something someone said about a mom, and I'm like, oh, oh wait, hold on, you know. Um. Okay, now now you know we get that scene where Noah and Agnes are in 1953 at the same time, and you know, of course, we know they've been together in other time periods at the same time. So we of course know that she's a time traveler as well, but there there's that scene in, in one Oh nine early on where Noah's looking at a photo of Helga. Does he know that Helga's in the bunker? I assume he does because he's got the book of events. So, right. you know, I, I guess he knows. I mean, I, I don't know necessarily what difference it makes, but Ulrich and, you know, Egon, <laughs> 
<laughs> I love the chase go, going through the woods. And it's like, oh, damn, Ulrich's going to get away. Because I'm thinking, well, Ulrich knows these woods as well. Sure. Apparently not as not as well as Egon, because yeah, he knows a shortcut, but, but there, cuts him off. What shortcut is there <laughs> through the woods that you can bear right and then somehow circle back and beat the guy who's running in a straight line for the the caves, you know? Like I just right. like it does like every, I, it's almost comical when I watch it now because all of a sudden like out of nowhere like Egon, you know, flies out of the side of the screen and you know tackles Ulrich and you're like whoa right but how did he do right, that when Ulrich really comes out? I mean, he assumes he's killed Helga, and the two boys' bodies shouldn't be there, so he's going on the Back to the Future model. I mean, did he just think the bodies would disappear? Right from the morgue, right? Or wherever they are. Again, not sure what the hell he's thinking. The other thing that that comes up, Hannah and Katarina in 1986, suggests that it could be Regina who you know who told on Ulrich, and, and then of course old Egon has to release young Ulrich. He says, "I know that face. I know you're hiding something." And of course, now we're thinking like, "Yep." Just yeah, wrong timeline, that's, dude. That's, that's true. That's true. But speaking of timelines, though, does Ulrich remember the meeting with young Alexander pulling a gun on him and Katarina? Right. Yeah. I, that's I, that was something that I was totally wondering about. Yeah, because you know, like we don't really see that later. Um, in their relationships, like, hey, Alexander, remember when, you know, you creepily were just kind of showed up out of nowhere and pulled a gun on us? That was weird. Right. Because, right. Because Ulrich's a police officer. He knows Alexander is in charge of the power plant. So clearly they, they have, well, we see confrontations within this season. So it's almost like you said, did he just forget about it? Or is it just something the two of them have put behind them. Well, I mean, there's we no way you forget about it. that, you know? Right, the right. The first time you meet but, a person, like, he pulls a gun on you. Like, okay, that happened. Yeah, youthful hijinks, right? I mean, yeah. look at some of the stuff that uh, Ulrich and Katarina did as teenagers. Claudia asks Burned if anything unusual happened the night of the accident. And he says, you have to decide what story you want to tell. Now, we know what he's getting at but obviously it's much bigger than he knows we assume i mean we don't really have any indication he knows anything about the time portal right he just knows that he's got all this nuclear waste and yellow barrels that he needs to hide somewhere right well it doesn't um you know jonas puts which i guess is the is that the god particle he puts in there Yes, I assume so because I don't know if I even noticed that the first three times yeah, I, around. Well, I, you know, if I we know, well, and here's a classic why we're doing this, right? Because, I mean, when we saw it before, just like, well, what's he doing? Like, I don't even know if we talked about that before because it's, it's so mysterious. You know, like, right? Um, what's what's the deal with that? Um, but we know now that yeah, that in the one he puts the guide particle, which will then create that the 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 black hole that causes the apocalypse. 
Right. And and we get, uh, I think it's Noah that even says, and maybe it wasn't Noah, but I can't think of who else it would have been, that Jonas thinks he's stopping this, but he's really starting it. Again, you know, we, we get some clarity about the time loop in this season, but still pretty interesting. Now, back to teenage Alexander for a second. I love he comes looking for a job with Claudia. And I'm thinking, you're going to be running this place after she disappears. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Well, yeah, from, from welder to the, uh, you know, running the place. That's that's upward mobility right there. That's a beautiful part of, of a democracy there. Right. Now, middle-aged Helga, or um, 87 Helga, mm-hmm. is helping Noah work jacket. on the ch- yeah is helping noah work on the chair has young helga experienced traveling from 1953 to 1986 yet i mean is that part of his memory well yeah guess okay i i I, but see i guess the whole loop thing throws me for a loop that that's already happened so okay Okay. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, we, I, yeah, we assume that that all right that all this stuff that we see happening for us chronologically later has already happened for Helge. Okay. Yeah. So when he touches fingers with uh, Jonas. Yes. All right. Why the hell is Katarina mad at Charlotte? I mean, I understand <clears throat> why she's mad at Hannah. But yeah, what did Charlotte do? Yeah. I, She's just like, well, you know, like I, I've called Katerina like a, a bull in a china shop. And she's just she, like as the most blundering family of the year, like people who just charge in without thinking like Katerina and Ulrich are perfect for each other. But like, how do the kids no turn out these- so well? <laughs> well, you know, there's. I mean, you know, I mean, I really yeah, think you're they right. do. They're pretty good kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty good. I mean, you know, Magnus has a little stalker issue going on. And and Martha, well, she does, she has kind of gotten around a bit, you know, so. Well, um, yeah, come on, two boyfriends. Come on. That's not. Yeah, but, you know, at the same time and then one and the other. Well, that's, you know, like, okay, can we just say worst fight ever? Between, I know, I'm sure we I'm sure we made fun of him before, uh, like the the pathetic nature of, of this fight between uh, uh, Bartosh and, and and Jonas. But uh, you know, really, it's like like you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure we said this before. Like Bartosh is all pissed at Jonas because he's you know getting with his girlfriend. It's like, well, well, wait, she was Jonas's girlfriend before when you like you know, just, well, what I again. We don't enjoy Bartosh that much, so it doesn't matter. Well, what I thought about that scene, and we've certainly talked about all of the rain, and and clearly these actors have filmed a lot of scenes in the rain, and and this is, of course, one of them. But I doubt Dark has the budget to spend on stunt actors. So it was clear that it was the two of them doing the fight. They hit the ground pretty hard. And I thought, hopefully they just had to do this in one take because it was, uh, you know, it was pretty nasty. But like you said, it it, it was just two guys rolling around in the water. So um, sort of like some hockey fights end up just grabbing each other's right. jersey and then right. skating around the, in uh, circles. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Okay. Um, not now, not that we needed this to tell us how evil Hannah is, but she just lies to Katerina. I broke it off with Ulrich. He says he wants to leave you. He never loved you. He doesn't love you. I don't want to say none of that's true, but most of it's not true. I mean, we certainly don't know for sure whether Ulrich you know, still loves Katerina, but we pretty much know he's kind of disgusted with Hannah at this point. So, um, yeah. Well, Hannah is just so, she looks so manipulative and she just lies so fluidly, you know, like she totally disarms Katerina. She knows exactly what to say to get Katerina not to beat her up and also to turn it. So, you know, she seems like she's somehow the victim in this. Right. Which in a way it's, 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 I'm not saying that she's not right. Because again, um, you know, we've said Ulrich, his behavior with Hannah was pretty, you know, like pretty ins- I, I guess insensitive would be a, a nice way of saying it. Maybe um, caddish would be a, a better that, you know, that he just thinks that it's a no strings attached, just sex and, and no emotional commitment, no nothing. He just go and have sex and have a good time. But, you know, clearly not the case. And he should have known that. I mean, he... He must have noticed in the 33 years plus that she's been mooning after him, he certainly must have noticed and and known, and and, uh, he just kind of, you know, uses that. He's using her. Right, and it's a perfect transition into Magnus and Francesco, which this is the first time that we realize that they're having a relationship because clearly – they just had sex. They were both naked in bed and she gets up to leave. You know, she's sort of the one that is, I don't want to say unemotional, but less emotional than Magnus, who says, I don't want to hurt you, but I do want to know who you really are. Given what we know about the other world, is this some sort of a clue? Uh, I'm guessing necessarily, you know, probably not that this is Francesca 1.0 from this world, but. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I think it's, if, if, if anything else, it just shows the, the really the close bond between these two. And we're going to see that they're, you know, going to be together for quite a while or at least working together. It seems well, like well, well, it, actually we did see him holding hands when they were older too. So. Well, right, right. But I mean, in season one, but it also could have something to do about parentage, who you really are. Well, you know, right. I well, thought your you, parents let's were not Peter. go there. <laughs> okay. Um, why I'm is not, Claudia, I'm not saying you, we like, we can't go there. I mean, you know, I like know. Magnus doesn't want to go there, right? Like he right, might right, think he right. wants to go there. He doesn't want to go there. No, we know where he wants to go. Yeah. All right. Now. Why does old Claudia really show up and talk to Bartosh? You know, it it seemed like it was almost just to make an appearance. I mean, clearly she knows he's working with Noah. We don't know, and I can't remember whether it's in this episode or the next one. Oh, it is in this one. I mean, what has Noah offered to Bartosh? Do we really know? Like we can go and, and, you know, dig a cave together and then I can ax you. Well, yeah, and that's, again, I, your back. I, I think we have to go back to that because 
damn, that guy looks just like Bartosz, but 10, 15 years older. So, well, don't the, know you know, what at this are. point, we're, we're running out of people. I mean, the, the guy seems to be significant, right? Right. And we know anyone could be anyone when it comes to dark. And we know that we hear Bartosz is getting recruited into the Sigmundus group, right? You know, you know, I, I mean, I, I like that. I like the, the, the idea that that guy that Noah kills is Bartosz. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, the last thing I want to bring up for 109, and, you know, if you have anything else, of course, bring it up. Hannah tells Alexander she wants him to destroy Ulrich. No, that's, of course, after she reminds him that, oh, yeah, by the way, Boris Neewald or whatever his name is. Yeah, right. I have the gun in your passport. I want him to lose everything. And of course, knowing what we know about season two, eh, dude pretty much took care of that on his own. That said, Hannah goes to 1953 and puts that final nail into the coffin. So she didn't need Alexander after all. No. He got taken care of. No. Well, if she knew that she was going to get a, a time machine in a year, she'd probably be like, all right, I'm good. I, I, I don't, I, that's okay, Alexander. But it's still weird that this is what she's going to – I mean, she's been holding on to this for 33 years. You know, Like, she obviously right. hasn't told Alexander about this, and now she's going to cash it in just to – you know, for him to destroy Ulrich. I mean – Grant, that's a pretty tall order, so I guess, you know, but that's how, you know, like we wondered in season two, like, why is she doing this? Well, I guess we just forgot, Dave. <laughs> you know, we forgot how hot that flame of hate burns inside of her chest because she had the richest guy in Winden, you know, and she had him by the short and curlies, as we say, and uh, all she wanted him to do was to des- destroy Ulrich, not pay my electric bills forever. And or send me a thousand dollars a month or something like that. Destroy Ulrich. That's what she wants. Like I mean, it's like straight out of a Greek tragedy, you know? Yeah. Tell you the the parallels to something like Medea are just chilling. Now, you know, into one ten. I hold on. Just a couple things about oh nine, real quick. First of all, what we're talking about, Alexander. Um, if you saw the ID he pulls out, the guy is 21 years old, and I'm not so sure he's passing for 21 back then, so I don't know. Just saying. Um, Ulrich, as a cop, should know not to confess to a murder in front of another cop. That's a bad move, like, legally speaking. You know, there's just this, I mean, we talked about this before, like, you know, we just, it's always Egon who's, who who is getting in Ulrich's way, or crushing him you know it's egon like all the time like even when he doesn't even realize you know like in when he's a teenager in the you know and in the in 1953 and 1986 both it's always egon who is like thwarting ulrich and and everything so you know that is i think that verbal irony like i recognize that face well yeah because it's the guy who you you know sent to the loony bin 33 years ago Except now he's just a kid now, but it's the same guy. You know, of course he doesn't know that, but you know, it's just this idea. It's this crazy relationship between these two. You know, and then when when Egan's questioning him, and uh, and Ulrich says the the lines in the heavy metal song that uh, that will ring through 
Egon's brain for 30 years, 30 plus years, you know, um, that whole conversation between them was just too trippy for words, you know? Yeah. I'm always surprised that Egon remembered the lyric, you know? Yeah. Right. He, he hears, he's like, wait, what, what, what'd you say? <laughs> like, no. almost like, um, that's crazy, you know? This is wild. Oh, right. and well, uh, I was in, I was in Boscov's the other day, and I saw a a yellow windbreaker just like Jonas's. Came so close to buying it. How could you not? I don't know. Maybe I'll right. go back. All right. Well, into one ten. I mean, uh, they're my vote for odd couple: Peter Doppler and Tronte Nielsen. But yeah. they're in the bunker when Mads falls through. And well, actually, uh, Peter's in there and he calls Tronte, who, along with Peter, doesn't think it's possible. But, you know, they have the book. So I guess I'm not exactly sure why they find this so hard to believe. And then, of course, old Claudia shows up and tells him uh, what to do with Mad's body. And, well, I, I don't think they have the book be yet. Found. Oh, they don't at that point? Okay. No, she gives it to them because oh, she you're shows right, up. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Right. But then they're that just begs there because. Why, yeah, why are they there? Oh, well, because. Uh, so Peter is ashamed of himself because he went to. He was. He's. He, he is stalking Bernadette. Right. And outside her trailer. And then he drives away and goes to the bunker to slap himself and recite that. Uh, the, the serenity prayer. At which point, Mads' body drops into the the um, the bunker, and he, you know, it's it's there's Mads. The name tag is on him and everything, so he right away knows it's Mads. So he calls Tronte right away, and Tronte okay. comes by, and which is really really like emotional scene because and I'm sure I, again I, I feel like there's different things we said before, but just it, I think it bears repeating that. Um, you know, here's a guy who obviously has something as traumatic as a child disappearing and not even, you know, I mean, his child was murdered. Yes, but he didn't even know, like he didn't even know, like he's probably pretty sure this kid was killed, but he didn't know. And so he's probably had to deal with, you know, basically had to kind of, you know, push this down deep and, and to forget the, the this tragedy and the pain and here it is just all brought up just all at once it's probably a little cathartic in the sense that he gets an answer kind of uh but also the just the the, the pain itself is just so so tough to watch yeah and not to mention just the eyes because i mean we really have no idea exactly i mean we figured something with the time machine burns their eyes like that but he has no idea that that's what happened but right. uh you know filing the next thing i want to bring up under the what must they be thinking as opposed to what the hell were you thinking because that's not what i mean jonas goes to see his grandmother ines and asks if she knew the boy from the future, because obviously he's putting the pieces of this puzzle together. Mm -hmm. He knows what the deal is. She shows him the letter, and, and of course he says, how do you have that? I burned it. Right. But 
the the part about what must they be thinking he's chastising her because he thinks she should have done something and what could she have done i mean yeah how the same thing he didn't do right well how could he she possibly have been expected to accept that Mickle was a time traveler from 2019 and that he's actually going to grow up to be Jonas. I mean, and I, I just don't understand why he can't see that, but he's got a lot to process. So I, so I do understand that. And, you know, clearly he's confused. He brings up and I kissed my aunt. Uh, of course, we know that he and Martha are going to reconcile sort of in the future well he's um, he's but well that's funny because he says it, it's like well you've you've done more than that dude like right. I, I get granted that happened in season two so maybe the writers didn't have that particular plot point in mind that you know they actually had sex the summer before when before any of this is, had happened when his dad was still alive and everything but uh but yeah you you did way more than kiss her dude like that that well, that, that yeah. happened Right. And then when Mickle's talking to Ines in the hospital, he tells her that he thinks he's in a dream. Again, what must this young boy be thinking? Does he really believe he traveled in time? And then, of course, she tells him the story, and I forget what animal it was. That it's she a man who uh, thinks he's a butterfly or something. Dreaming he was a butterfly or butterfly dreaming he was a man, right? Yeah. So... Uh, well, Sounds so, like so Kof- here's here's Kofka the thing that that, that, that that concerns me, because Jonas also throws out his pills, right? And then there's yeah. all this talk about dreaming. So are we gonna? It's dark to end with Bob Newhart waking up in his bed. Uh, I hope not. So, I'm, I'm, I'm that, but that's my concern. Hope. Like that that somehow this is all going to become part of like oh this was all just just a dream right and, and so i you know that whole thing with zwang's paradox here like you know I, I mean my concern is pretty i think significant because why did they you know of course obviously it could be a red herring so that's a possibility as well they could just trying to throw us off but i think that along with the you know joe the showing jonas throwing out his pills you know, all, yeah. both of those bring up the possibility is that, you know, that this somehow is not real or something. So, I don't right. know. Well, and of course, we've got the whole alternate universe model to consider, but this is something entirely different. And, and yeah, I, I did notice that with the pills. And, and yeah, that that's a good catch. Ulrich asks to be let go so that he can change things. And I'm thinking like, what? Yeah, let me go so I can go kill Helga so that yeah. then he won't kill those two boys. Finish the job, cool. right? Cool? Uh, yeah. yeah, cool. Here you go. Good, yeah. Now, All right, sounds right. <laughs> right. And, of course, like we said earlier, we, we know Hannah's going to go to 53, connect with Egon, and, and keep Ulrich in jail for uh, the next 33 years or so. Now, Charlotte talks to Peter about the... I don't think she puts it in terms of a 33-year cycle, but she mentions that it's 66 years after his father was kidnapped as a child, two times 33. Of course, he has more of an idea 
of what's going on than she does, but not a whole lot. But but clearly, no, right? She's, yeah, not right, not a ton, right? Yeah. Um, clearly, she's starting to put things together as he is as well. Although he's being given some information, old Helga tells middle-aged Helga that Noah is using him and that Noah's not the chosen one. And, and of course, that leads up to the car accident. And I'm not sure where old Helga gets a car and keys <laughs> and all of that, yeah. but I'm not sure if we talked about that at the time, but but still. Well, that I, was a, you know, I, I know name. something we mentioned that we don't really have an answer to this, but is Helga actually trying to stop himself which he knows he didn't but of course he is suffering from dementia so maybe he's forgotten but if he you know like this happened already he met himself and it didn't change his course back then so if helge really wanted to change things he should probably like not confront himself well, right. It's just like the and the stranger talking to Jonas through the door of the bunker that I've already had this conversation. You've already had this conversation. Yes. Yeah. And but if you really want the result yeah, that you, you if, claim, if you to want, want to change things, then let Jonas out of the bunker. That didn't happen before. So if you want things to be different. Change it up, bro. Right. Right. Sure. Now, it, we talk about linchpins, and I don't think I thought about this before, but if Hannah, I, I'm sorry, if Enes doesn't adopt Mickle, then how do things unfold? Because Hannah would probably never marry Mickle. Never give birth to Jonas. Uh, you know there wouldn't be that meeting, and, and then so it's almost as if that adoption of Mickle, maybe not the key, but certainly one of the keys. Sure, and the fact that she, you know, instead of like, and we know she kind of buys into the story. She believes that it's from the future. But instead of maybe like trying to help him to get back, like, hey, let's go back to the cave. Why don't you let's go back through the door you came through? She drugs him and forces him to stay in 1986. Now, the, the last Which thing is I want to Which time be... periods to be in, by the way, you know. Well, true. <laughs> true. Uh, now, the last thing, I probably should have paired it up with uh, Egon wanting to be let out so he can, you know, take care of business. But All right, you mean? Yeah, he knows Helga is alive, and I'm making air quotes for that he knows because he figures that if those two boys are dead and they're they're still dead, then he must not have killed Helga. So why right. doesn't he tell the police where they can find the boy? Or is he planning to somehow escape and finish what he started? You know, like planning and Ulrich are two words that don't necessarily really <laughs> go with one another. You Good know? point. Um, who knows what he's got on his mind? I mean, honestly, he's just done everything totally wrong from the m first minute he came back to 1953. Like, of course, he goes charging into the police station 
you know, talking about, I want my son, I want my son. Had he, like, that was what got, you know, this whole thing rolling. He comes in, makes a scene, Egon notices him. Egon's driving home, sees Ulrich walking down the road, gives chase, right? So true. you just see all of the, the, the this causality. And like I said, if we go back, 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 back to Ulrich driving past that road to the caves and turning towards the caves rather than continuing on and going home. You know, it's just this one yep. moment, this like sliding door moment. You could make probably a whole nother series of dark. What happens if Ulrich goes straight rather than turn towards the cave? You know. Anything else uh, from 110 you want to mention? Well, Noah talks about this this crazy guy who was in his boarding house. Remember that? Yeah. And then, yeah, well, that was Jonas. That was Jonas. Yep. Right? We didn't catch that yep. first time around. Yeah, and, and you know, you think about it, at that point in Jonas's travels, he at least understands what's happening. He he doesn't like the feeling that he may be trapped forever in 1921, but at least he understands what's going on. Right. As yes. opposed to some of the others. Right. And, you know, Noah makes it sound like he didn't know what was going on at the time either, but he totally did because even then he was already in with Sick Mundus. So there's this extended conversation with, and, you know, I'm, I am having trouble keeping straight what each of these groups want to do because there's a time earlier, I'm pretty, like I have it in my notes where, you know, Noah's like wants to change things. And then when he's talking to Bartosh, he's like, you know, we need to make sure everything stays the same. Now, Claudia also makes, you know, Tronte and Peter take Mads' body and put it where it's supposed to be found because she's adamant that things have to happen just as they are. So wait a second, hold on. If these two groups, and he says that we're the light, Noah says to Bartosh, we're the light, Claudia is the shadows, right? But yeah. yet it seems like they're like have the same kind of goals here, or at least their immediate way they go about things are the same. So, well, um, well yeah, so. but I guess I always looked at it as if Claudia wants to keep more of the status quo in place as opposed to Adam, who just wants to burn it to the ground and start over. Yeah, but, but but Noah says like we, we need to make things make sure things happen just as they they always have. Right. Which so, is the same thing Claudia says. Right. And these people are supposed they're supposed to be in opposition to one another, so I'm just not entirely sure. Uh, another thing is like, you know, Noah is very dismissive when he talks about Jonas. Like Jonas is just some clown. He's just a puppet of of Claudius. But wait, isn't he your boss, dude? Like yeah. So well, maybe it's either A, does he somehow not know that yet, or B, you know, is this we know that he ends up getting killed because of his opposition to Adam. Is is that a sign of his opposition to Adam? Right. Does he know that Adam is Jonas? I I assume so, but who knows? Yeah. Like you say, he's very dismissive of, of Jonas when talking to him about uh with Bartosh when he talks about Jonas. I think, oh, well, um, 
Jesse, I, I was really paying attention to the mechanics of what happened here with, you know, what, what did Jonas, middle-aged Jonas, do? And he, he sets off the time machine um, right at the juncture where the cave splits from 1953 to 1986. And then that juncture is directly underneath the bunker in which Helge is in 1953 and Jonas is in 1986. And then when they touch, uh, um, Helge Helge goes to gets to 1986 and Jonas gets thrown all the way to 2052. Right. Again, no, no answer for that, but that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so what happened, like, because it seems very similar to what happens with, what, like, Charlotte and Elizabeth, right, at the end of season two. Yeah. But, uh, but like I said, no no answers there. That's just kind of like, there's a lot of stuff here that, you know, we, we still are, are, are wondering about even, even after seeing season two. Okay. All right. Well, you ready to move on to Fred's feedback? Sure. Okay. All right, let's take a listen, and we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Dark. Season 1, Episodes 9 and 10, Revisited. First off, I want to give a tip of the week, or actually a half tip of the week, because I didn't watch it myself yet, but I saw the trailer. And that's on the 25th of September, the new series Stumptown premiered, with in the lead role, Kobe Smulders, who we know as Agent Hill from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and several other Marvel series and films. She always got my attention, and that's not just because she's beautiful, but also because she's half Dutch, and Kobe Smulders is really a, a Dutch name. And especially this Kobe name is special for me because my recently deceased very favorite aunt was also called Kobe. It's it's coming from Jacob. It's the female form of Jacob. I don't know if it's an American name as well or just for Dutch people. Stumptown is the nickname of the city of Portland in Oregon. Dex Porius is a sharp, witted military veteran who struggles to get by and take care of her younger brother in Portland. She also struggles with PTSD from her time in Afghanistan, where she worked in the military intelligence until she was injured by an explosion and lost the love of her life. Burdened by heavy gambling debts and unable to hold down a steady job, she becomes a private investigator to solve problems where the police cannot be involved. And she has somebody in the police force who uh, refers some problems to her. So, very different from her role as Maria Hill in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. But when I saw the trailer and you like uh, police series, it it could be a very interesting uh, series to watch. After this recording, at least I'm going to watch the first episode. Okay, going into dark for the last time for a while. First thing I want to do is come back to something I wondered last week. I said something about Doris. So Egon Tiedemann's wife and Claudia's mother, where did she go? And actually in these episodes we learn 
that in episode 10, Ulrich says to Egan back in 1953, you're just as small-minded as everyone in this shitty town. Let me go. Are you already drinking or will you start after your wife leaves you? And there we get an idea about what happened with Doris. Next question is, of course, did Doris go with Agnes? And did Doris start time traveling and is, because of that, just gone? In season 2, episode 3, we have the scene where old Claudia is embracing Agnes. And Claudia says, take care of my mother. She loves you very much. So, wonder what that take care will be. Did Agnes take Doris on her time travels? In the beginning of episode 9, Noah visits Greta Doppler and they talk about Helge and Helge is gone and Greta tells Noah that Berndt is possibly not Helge's father and that he possibly is not made in love. So I have the suspicion that Greta Doppler has been raped somehow. Who would that be and will we hear something about that in season 3? It won't be Noah if you see how she talks to him. Next topic I want to talk about is the big bed of dark. And you know whom I'm talking about. Hannah. If you see in episode 9 how she suggests to Katharina that it's Regina who framed Ulrich. And later we see when Katharina is visiting Hannah in her house and she bangs on the door which is very reminiscent of later in season 2, that Hannah is telling Katerina that it's over between Ulrich and her and that she ended it. Also adding to that, that Ulrich doesn't love Katerina anymore and that he wanted to leave her and that she, Hannah, said that would be crazy. How devious is this woman? And if we add to that what she did in 1954 to Ulrich, whoa. I compared the picture that Detective Culler, aka Clausen, has in Season 2, Episode 7, to the photo of the real Alexander Culler on the passport that Boris Newells hides in the woods in this episode, Episode 9. It confirms that it is the same guy. And again, Hannah proves her deviousness by spying on Boris Newells and later uses her knowledge to blackmail Alexander Tiedemann. When Katharina bursts into Charlotte's office, shouting, where is Ulrich? Charlotte flinches. I don't know who I dislike more, Katharina or Hannah. I think I can cope better with devious than aggressive. Next thing is that when Magnus and Francesca having sex and Francesca's going, Magnus says to her, I don't want to hurt you, okay? I want to know who you are, who you really are. And actually, I think the bond between those two works quite well when we see them together in Season 2, Episode 6, Helping Adam. Or are these Magnus and Francesca also from the alternative universe or world? But if not, and they time-traveled to the 20s and became older there, well, this bond really showed that it worked. One other thing I discovered is that in this episode 9, Noah exactly wants the same as Claudia, although they are actually opposed. Because Noah says to Helge, we'll create a time machine that reorders everything, the beginning and the end. 
And Claudia says to Edie Tannhaus when she delivers the drawing of the time machine, it's something that will set the course of time straight. Well, this is actually the same. Another thing is when my, I saw the accident between the two Helgas in combination with what you said last podcast made me realize that Peter was too young to be away for his psychology studies, as I said last time. So he must have been a teenager. So where was he? Boarding school? Alternative universe? I don't know. Best quote of the episode is when Jonas talks to his grandma Ines and is telling that my other grandma is the head of my school and her husband, who is fucking my mom, is looking for his son, who is my father. Very, very crazy stuff. The end of episode 10, where Jonas goes with the time machine into the caves, I actually realized that he's at the bifurcation. So the the bifurcation towards 1986 and 1953 and then the camera goes up and you land up exactly in the bunker or where a rift is opened and he touches Helga and then he lands up in 2053 and Helga lands up in 1986. It remains a mind-bending series. Really, really very nice. But I still hope that some open ends will be explained in season 3 and not left open. There is some nice music behind the scene where Jonas starts the time machine for the very first time. It's called A Quiet Life by Tiho Tierdo and Blixa Borgeld. Okay, that was all about Dark. Very much looking forward to season 3, but that will take a while. And I'm very curious what you will do after this. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Now, one of the things that he brings up that I want to touch on is the uh, Claudia embracing Agnes and and says to her that she should, uh, this is in season two, he brings up and and says to her that she should take care of her mother because her mother loves her very much. And, And Fred's question, does this take care of my mother imply that Agnes is going to take Doris away and possibly take her on time travels? And I mean, certainly what happens to Doris and, and, you know, I asked earlier in the discussion that relationship between those two women, is there something more there that we're not seeing? So Fred bringing that up, which I had forgotten about, we don't have any evidence of it, but it kind of does make sense that 
maybe Doris is going to play a role at some point. You know, maybe she is going to turn out to be somebody's mother that we yeah. hadn't thought of or, you know, be yeah. somebody's daughter. Yeah. I mean, totally, like, like I said, I mean, that, that's what really bends my mind with this show is the, the, the like I said, the dark places, the places we don't know who these characters who are shadows characters that we know exist you know all these people have mothers and fathers but we don't know all the mothers and fathers we have absolute zero idea where peter came from and what his deal is right you know he just seems to have popped up in 1987 so yeah i mean that's 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 what really is why i am though it's you know about a, a year away i'm still very anxious to see season three because i want to know right he brings up about whether or not we're going to ever learn who helga's father really is and and you know we talked about that and you know whether it was a product of rape a drunken evening with her friends and you know we don't know and i i don't you know i get the feeling we will but you know a show like dark they don't have to answer every question they may try to but uh, you know at one level i hope they don't because we know they're only getting one more season but that said maybe it is going to be really important to the overall storyline i really feel like they need like 20 episodes for this season three yeah to to wrap this up (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And you know what? And and there's a lot out there. Baron Bo Odar is very prolific on Instagram. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm drawn to his Instagram. Uh, I start looking at pictures and I just, I have to leave because I don't want to be spoiled. I mean, yeah. and, and of course, the captions are sometimes funny because... Uh, Gosh, now I'm trying to think. Oh, it's the actor that plays 1953 Egon, and he's sitting on a chair and he's got Beats headphones on or something like that. <laughs> and and of course, it's just probably the actor waiting to film his next scene as opposed right, to right. you know something. Yeah, I, yeah, uh, right. I, I I don't think we're gonna get a scene with uh, <laughs> Egon listening to a pair of Beats, but you know. Uh, no. Well, even even uh, well, you know, it's funny because. Um, you know, Jonas shows Egon his his you know earbuds, and obviously we know that you know Hannah doesn't seem to they're not an affluent family. Um, but you know, if it were actually a kid in 2019, there's no way there'd be a pair of wires on those earbuds. You know, right, right. So, uh, anything you want to bring up about Fred's feedback or? Yeah, um, so, so hold on, there was, uh, you know, Clausen um, chasing after his, uh, his brother, right, Alexander Kohler, and, uh, and Fred confirmed that the guy in the picture that Clausen had is his, uh, his brother, you know, I, th- there was somewhere I was going with that, uh, but <laughs> I just remember thinking when he sees, when we see Alexander in the woods, uh, shot and then he pulls a gun on uh, Katarina and Ulrich. Like, ah, if if Clausen could get his hands in that freaking time machine, he would be going nuts right now. You know, it's just like everything he wanted to know. Oh, not everything, but pretty much everything he wanted to know was just like right there. Cool. So we'll, we'll we'll have to see 
what uh, if if Clausen ever is able to bring Alexander to justice. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and leave it there? It's some good stuff again, and that'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Want to thank you guys for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Dark. Anything else going on in genre TV? Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. Emails can go to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week to discuss the first episode of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. But until then. So out of top 10 uh, slogans rejected from a, a pasta company, life is nothing but a spiral of pain.